what a time with God. That was, I didn't want that to stop. I, I just, just a real sense of just these special times with God shouldn't just be when we gather like this, but actually on your own at home, you know, in your, in your connect groups. It'd be great to just press into God more. I think it's brilliant. I'm just going to digress from my, my preach slightly, but just if you were in tune with what God was sort of like doing amongst us this morning, a real sense of just Jesus, the Lamb of God. Jesus, the Lamb of God who was slain. And it's interesting when Jesus appears on the scene and John the Baptist is there. John the Baptist sees Jesus. He says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of men. It's interesting. John the Baptist doesn't say, look, at Jesus, the word of God. He doesn't say, look at Jesus, the son of God. He says, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of us all. You backtrack into the Old Testament. Abraham is asked by God to go and sacrifice his one and only son, Isaac. He steps out in obedience. They get to this place. Isaac tends to his father and he goes, we've got the wood, we've got the fire, we've got the knife and all that. But where is the lamb? Abraham says to Isaac, God will provide. In the end, God provides a ram. But the Bible says to us that on that mountain became known as God will provide. You move on in the narrative in the Bible, and it comes to a time when God delivers his people, Israel, from Egypt. And God says to them, when God strikes the firstborn sons, he says, get the blood of a lamb and his, use hyssop and use this on your doorpost so that when the angel of death goes past, he will not strike you. We see the blood of the lamb and hyssop. Fast forward, David in Psalm 51, he says, cleanse me with hyssop and I shall be clean. There's hyssop in there. There's ultimately the blood of the lamb in there. As the story progresses, Isaiah says, look, he was actually led like a lamb to the slaughterhouse. Again, pointing to Jesus. Fast forward into the New Testament, Paul declares, Christ, your Passover lamb has been crucified. Finally, Jesus is sitting with his disciples, having the meal we just enjoyed earlier. There's no lamb there because guess what? Jesus himself is the lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. From the very beginning, it was all pointing to Jesus, Jesus Jesus, Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he's here with us this morning. How awesome is that? He takes away our sins and he gives us his righteousness. I am pretty excited about that. I think we should rejoice in this every day. He takes my sin. He gives me his right. I think we should rejoice in this every day. Jesus is amazing. I could go on and on, but I don't, I want to come back to what I'm meant to, but it's just, it's exciting to know that this is what Jesus has done for us. It's amazing. And I think we can, you're going to need to check the time or else I'm going to go on and on. You need to let me know when I need to stop. Anyway, before I get into again, sorry, I get into my preach, just some really exciting news and it's a thank you as well. We would like to say, um, on the behalf of the eldership team, we'd like to say a big thank you to all of you 
who gave generously over the last uh, two Sundays. It's honestly, we were blown over by just your faithful giving. So all together, we raised 90,000 pounds. Yeah. No, it's, 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 real, it's brilliant. So thank you to all of you. Thank you to every one of you who gave faithfully. Shall I tell you a secret? You guys gave more than everybody else. So praise God for that. No, we're really excited. So thank you guys for, for giving faithfully. I think it's amazing, especially in times like these when we all know it's tough. But you are a bit like the Macedonian churches. You kind of like you stood in challenging times and gave faithfully. So thank you. For those who haven't yet given, there's still going to be opportunity. I think there's still some cards available. You can do that in your own time. Just stick it in the offering box. But a big thank you to all of you. Thank you very much for that. Now I'll go into my preaching notes. I'll try and keep it brief. I'm probably just going to do... Uh, 10, 12 minutes, because um, all the things I'm going to be sharing, you all know anyway. But um, I, on our first uh, venue Sunday, I opened up on the whole subject of building um, on the right foundations and um, shared from Matthew chapter 7. We looked at the story of the uh, foolish builder and the wise builder. We looked at some contrasts. We looked at some similarities. Um, I think we said about the fact that both men had the same vision. If you remember, you can just go on to the next slide. We said about how they had the same vision. We highlighted the fact that they received the same truth because Jesus had said, whoever hears these words of mine, they receive the same truth. They also faced the same storm. And then we looked at some contrasts. We said that they had um, different characters. Jesus makes it clear in that passage that one was wise and the other one was foolish. Uh, we looked at the fact that they had different foundations, one built on the rock, the other one built on the sand, and then we looked at the fact that there were different results. One of the houses stood, the other one came tumbling down with a crash. And then we finished off by looking at what this foundation is, and Jesus makes clear, whoever hears these words of mine, so Jesus effectively pointed to himself and his words as the right foundation on which to build. I think we ended it there. Jesus shows us that there are only two ways to build. And we said everybody here is doing some kind of building. We are all erecting something from the ground up. It could be your own life. It could be a career. It could be your marriage. It could be a relationship. It could be family life. We're all building something. But what are we building on? Jesus says only two ways to build. Either build on him and his teaching, which we would find out to be a solid rock, or we build on the philosophies of this world, which would eventually come crashing down. You see, nothing else would withstand the storms but Jesus. I'm going to say that again. There's nothing else that will withstand the storms of this life but Jesus. The reality is that the storms will come. They will come crashing, but only Jesus can withstand these storms. It's interesting that the Bible makes it clear that he ought to be the foundation on which we build. You see, it is not about our trying to reach up to God, but it's ultimately about God reaching down to us. 
oftentimes we think, oh, I've got to try, try. It's great to obviously press into God, but we, we shouldn't forget the fact that it was God who became man and dwelt among. It was God who reached out to us. He first loved you and me. And so again, and in the gospel of John, he says, the word, which was Jesus, the word, which was God in the beginning, became flesh and dwelt among us. This word, which was God in the beginning, became flesh and dwelt among us. That word flesh in the Latin is carnis. And that's where we get the word incarnation. And that's where we also get this favorite one, chili con carne. Because chili con carne is basically chili with meat. Or literally put chili with flesh. Chili con carne. That's where it comes from. You can still eat chili con carne. It's fine. It's meat. All right? That's where it comes from. But when John makes a point about the word becoming flesh... Jesus didn't come floating over us with a halo around his. No, 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 no. God became like you and I. God stepped into our world so that we could step into his world. God effectively stepped into our family so we could be brought into his family. God became like us so we could become like him. How exciting is that? The creator of the universe becoming like us. So we would likewise become like him. Jesus says, build on this rock. How do we build on this rock? Jesus makes it clear. Whoever hears these words of mine and effectively does them. Wise man had and he did. So Jesus' answer on how to build is that we Listen or we hear and we obey. Hear and obey. Hear and heed. Hear and obey. There's lots of hearing in our world, but not very much obedience. We all like to just take from here and there and there. But when it comes, when the rubber hits the road, it becomes really, really, really difficult. You see, to know Christ is to love Christ. And to love Christ is to do what he says we should do. We know him, we love him, then we're obedient to him. So hear and obey. In James, you don't, you don't, you don't have the slide, so you can, you can stop now. You can leave the passage on, but uh, don't worry about any other slide because you don't have these slides. So don't worry at all. We'll just stick to the passage now. In James uh, chapter 1. Verses 21 to 24, it says this to us. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and is not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once Forgets what he looks like. Ah, that's pretty serious, isn't it? Maybe I have a nice meal and there's, you know, there's bits of the food on my white shirt. And I, I look in the mirror and I notice all these things, but I still step out proud. And, uh, James says that, no, 
if we're going to be doers of the word, this is, this is the way it works out. You look yourself in the mirror of God's word, and then you align yourself with the truth of God's word. We are not just hearers, but doers of the word. And for those of you who are particularly excited about, well, practically, Sam, go on. What does it look like? What does it look like to build on this foundation? What does it look like? You see, throughout Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he basically contrasts wise living with foolish living. And I'll, I'll show you shortly because this passage from John chapter 7 comes at the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So what does this look like practically as we build on this foundation? This is it, church. The wise man would have been poor in spirit. He would have mourned, been gentle, hungered for harmony with God, been merciful, pure in heart, a peacemaker, and been persecuted by the world for his righteousness. The foolish man will have been full of himself or herself, cheerfully naive, demanding, disgusted by God's righteousness, judgmental, lacking integrity, a troublemaker, and a persecutor of the faithful. The wise man will not have harbored anger, lust, or dishonesty, or dishonesty in his heart. The foolish man will have harbored anger, lust, and deceit in his heart. The wise man would have turned the cheek, gone the extra mile, loved and prayed for his enemy. The foolish man will have paid back his insults, begrudged and shirked his duties, and despised those who did not love him. The wise man will have acted righteously from the secret place of the heart to please his father in heaven. The foolish man will have openly strutted his righteous acts hypocritically to be seen by others. The wise man will have prayed to his father in heaven and asked God to forgive him as he forgives others. The foolish man will have offered empty words to God. The wise man will have invested his treasure and heart in heaven. The foolish man will have invested his treasure and heart on earth. The wise man will have sought God's kingdom and his righteousness by faith. The foolish man will have spent his days worrying about his life. The wise man will have shown mercy and forgiveness. The foolish man will have judged other people. The wise man will have treated others as he wanted to be treated. The foolish man will have lived with two standards expecting others to treat him well while treating others proudly or poorly. The wise man will have entered by the small gate along the narrow way. The foolish man will have entered by the wide gate along the way that is broad. You see, the wise man will have built his house upon the rock of Jesus' words. The foolish man will have built his house on the sands of the world. It's not enough to hear Christ's words and understand them, hear them and remember them, hear them and talk them, repeat them, dispute them, but we must hear and practice them. This do and you shall live. Those only who hear and obey are blessed. As I finish off, 
I want to say to us, church, let's be a people who build on Christ a solid rock. Let's be a people who build by obedience to his revealed will, his word. We mustn't merely listen to God's word. We must do what it says. And this is always to our benefit. Church, let's build on Christ. Whatever you're building, build on the solid foundation that will stand in the face of the storms. Build on Christ. Build on Jesus and his words. Build on Jesus. And I want to say to you as an eldership team, if you ever feel like we're beginning to build on man's wisdom, please come and see us. And talk, because we're, we're a church family. I love, that. I love that we can do that. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, he says to the leaders, be careful how you build. If you ever feel like Steve and myself, uh, you know, go, please. Because we, we wouldn't always know. Come and find us. Send us a nice email. Take us out for a tea or a coffee. And then gently rebuke us. But I'm just sharing these things because we want, one day I will give an account. Steve will give an account. Each one of you will. But for those of us in leadership, I think we have a, a, a huge responsibility. We do. So when we are mucking about, tell us. I think it's in a nice way, in a nice way. Tell us. I think I'll stop here by praying for us. Jesus, would you come and help us as your people? to build on the right foundation, to not just hear your word and move on from there, dispute it, just talk about it, but help us be those who hear and do. I pray, God, that you just would raise the levels of obedience across our church today. Lord, help us. I know it can be challenging sometimes, but help us be willing to let go. Help us be willing to follow uh, where you lead. Help us be willing to respond when you call. Help us uh, be willing to, Father, come along and walk with you. I just pray, God, for all of us, uh, not just in Bexhill, but the guys in, in Central St. Leonard's meeting now this morning, our friends, brothers and sisters in Hastings. Lord, help us. May we be known as a people who are obedient to their king, a people who love their king, a people who know their king, not just that, but a people who walk in obedience to their king. Help us as a people. Help us as a church. We pray. Amen. Did I do 10 minutes or 12 minutes? I certainly didn't go beyond 20, did I? God bless you all. I am becoming British now. There you go. I haven't heard yet. Thank you, Sam. Um, Karen, are you doing church news? Yes, that'd be great. Thank you. Woo! Wow, what a blessing to be here this morning. Really, it's wonderful just to have the Holy Spirit just leaning in with us. Um, hearing about the youth. Sam's always a blessing, so it's, that's always good. And little Esther as well. And, the, and just the worship this morning, it was amazing.